come follow me. Kind of the, the big idea that we see in Mark uh, as, we, as we plunged into this book and, and thought about the next four months. And even though there's some great big ideas and a lot of things that we can glean from, from this book, the idea of Jesus Christ extending a personal call to each one of us to come follow me. Uh, and a lot of us sitting here, uh, dare I say most of us have at least answered that call. Uh, and I think that throughout the book of Mark, uh, we're also going to see that the challenge is once you've answered that call, yes, your eternity is secure, but God has called us to so much more. And as a church, we need to believe that, and then we need to hear that, and then we need to know that, and we need to apply that to our lives. And so, so as we think about come follow me and the call that's been placed on our lives to respond to, uh, we also need to think about being a people who produce and a people who multiply. And, and today, uh, we're going we're gonna to be moving into a section where we saw that healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open up to Mark chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be starting in verse 21, where we left off last week. And we're going to look at four parables today. Uh, again, Mark, uh, we know doesn't mince words. I should be calling him John Mark so you can uh, know the difference between he and I. John Mark is very concise and says five minutes worth of information in about a minute and a half. So you have to listen and then you have to kind of go, okay, what else do I know from scripture? How else can I break that out? Mark Miller, on the other hand, will give you five minutes of information in a half hour over lunch anytime you guys want. Okay, let me know, and we'll fill up my schedule. I, I, I like to talk. And so John Mark, on the other hand, he's concise. So today we're going to see a lot, uh, but it all goes together, and that's the beauty of this. If you want more of the kingdom, and when I say the kingdom, we've talked about Jesus coming to earth. That was the kingdom coming down, that we can actually see some king, kingdom things in our lives here on earth, and then ultimately our time in heaven. If you want more of the kingdom, stay close to the king. And that's an application not only for the people of that day, his disciples and those who were following him, but also for us. And at the beginning of a new year, that's a, a time we all like to make resolutions that are usually gone, if you're like me, within the first couple of weeks. Uh, some of you may make it to the end of January or even maybe February or March. Uh, but resolutions are, are tough, even though they're good. And, and so some, might want, yeah, some of you might want to make some uh, resolutions this year uh, towards growing with your Savior and, and again, the, the invitation that's been extended, come follow me, uh, is the same one that he's extending to you again today. Because we believe that healthy things must grow, uh, or they, excuse me, that they do grow. And so uh, we, we sometimes talk about church growth. Uh, and, and I think a lot of times uh, we misapply the, the proper meaning of that. When I talk about church growth, my goal is that church growth will be kingdom growth. And let me clarify that just a little bit. If we're talking about church growth, my goal as a shepherd here, as long as the Lord leaves me here in DuPont over this church body, is to see you, those who fill the seats on Sunday morning, grow in your own faith. Now, uh, if you're doing it properly, 
uh, and you're growing in your faith and you're telling people about Jesus and ultimately you're inviting people to church, we will grow in numbers also. And we've seen that over the last six years that we've been here. We've seen growth in a military community. We've, we saw growth on Saturday nights in a military community. When everybody said that kind of church can't make it, won't grow, won't last, we've seen that. And again, it's not because of myself or Dave, but it's because of the people who are filling these chairs. I believe God has brought us a unique group of people who want to grow. They want kingdom growth in their life. And so the, the encouragements that I'm going to bring to you today, the challenges that I'm going to bring to you today are the same ones that I feel I've been bringing over the last six years. Because I know the majority of you, the ones who are military and are only here for a few years at a time, will be leaving us shortly and someone else will be coming and filling those chairs. And so my goal is what we do here in DuPont for the time that God has allowed you to be here will be something that will affect not uh, only your time here in DuPont, but for the rest of your lives. And there's nothing more exciting for Dave and I uh, than to hear from our, our friends who have been grace workers who are now serving and doing kingdom work in other churches around the world. And we know that you are those kind of people. We don't want to wait, though. We want that church growth to happen here. We want to grow as people. We want to be sharing the good news. Uh, And and so Mark is going to show us here three parables today in in the chunk that we're going to look at. Jesus will give us the secrets to his kingdom. And in his kingdom, there's a growth strategy that he has placed in these parables. He will teach us that God's kingdom will come. He will teach us that God's kingdom will produce. And he will teach us that God's kingdom will multiply through the three paragraph or the parables that we see today. So read with me uh, in your own mind. You don't have to read out loud or anything. Uh, Follow along here on the slides or in your Bible. And I'm going to read through the the three and then we're going to jump back and we're going to break these down quickly uh, and see what God has for us. So starting in verse 21. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said to them, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, it's the smallest of all seeds on earth. 
Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. As we look at the words of Jesus today, I pray that you will be moved and motivated to good works. Here we're going to see a lamp under a basket. The idea that Jesus brings forth first in this parable, God's kingdom will come. Jesus starts his teaching with three rhetorical questions. And the obvious answers are no, no, and yes, right? Is a lamp brought into the, the, the house to be put under a basket? Well, no. Is it brought in to be put under a bed? No, but it's supposed to be put on a stand. Well, yes, of course. Okay, so no, no, yes. A person who buys a lamp doesn't put it under a basket. In that day and age, there, were no electricity. there wasn't electricity, so you lit the candle, you put it out, and it illuminated the entire home, right? You put it under a basket, if, if the basket doesn't catch on fire, it, it's going it to burn up all the oxygen and it's going to go out. So it's not going to give you light that you needed or that you desire, right? Fire needs oxygen to breathe and to continue on and to exist. And if it's under a basket, that's not going to happen. Next, the person puts the lamp under a bed. Again, the same, in my opinion, it's the same kind of attitude or uh, idea where you're taking the light, you're putting it out of where it will do any good. It's underneath a bed. There's not much light that's going to come out uh, from that. But as we sat around, we were talking about this sermon this week, Pastor Drew and Pastor Kevin and myself. Um, they started thinking, man, if you put that candle underneath a bed, you, you also have an opportunity to set the bed on fire. Well, that's not, again, the idea or the reason that you have a candle in your home. So that wouldn't be good either. There's only one place that is correct, and I think that's what Jesus is trying to, the point he's trying to get to here. There's one place that you should put your lamp in your home. You put it on a lampstand so that it can illuminate the room. Now, it's worth noting that in, in Mark's account... The, the definite article, the, appears in the Greek text before the word lamp. This is not picked up uh, by most major translations. However, it's a big clue to properly interpreting this parable this morning. Mark is referring to a particular lamp, the lamp. So, what is the lamp, or who in this case is the lamp? It is the very one speaking these words. And again, we talked about how John Mark is very particular with every word that he wrote down. So we know this is important. Jesus Christ, the one speaking, is the lamp. You can translate, is a lamp brought in? Does the lamp come to be? Because of this definite article. So again, as you're, as you're looking at the translations, they don't always catch every word maybe as they should. But Jesus is the lamp who comes. Jesus is God with us. It's what we just celebrated this week. Emmanuel. God sent Jesus Christ to us. He gave us the lamp. 
the word, his son. The light came to illuminate a dark world. Jesus Christ came for one reason, to bring light into a very, very dark place. He has come to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom. And that's why we talk about Jesus when he comes to the earth. It is God's kingdom coming to mankind. Remember this allusion uh, to the secrets and the mysteries in the last parable. We continue to see that here. He has come to bring the secret of God's uh, light to this world. God had a plan. Jesus' ministry will, will come to full revelation to those who are seeing it, to those who are witnessing it when he is risen from the dead. And again, even more fully for us who believe when he comes in glory at his second return. So Jesus tells us once again, if anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is speaking to people and he wants them to take notice of what he is saying. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. The, 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 he continues on, lamp under the basket, right? God's kingdom will come. Here, Jesus starts with a, a variation of what he has been saying. He says, pay attention to what you hear, right? Pay attention to what you hear. This teaching is it's given to demonstrate that response determines reception, to the degree we respond in obedience to the light, to what Jesus has said to us, to what we have been given, we will be given more light. Our ability to gain new light is determined by our response to the old light. Right? He says here, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and more will be added to you. We cannot expect further insights from God if we refuse to obey what he has already given us. Now, I want you to hear that. We can't expect further insights from God if we refuse to obey what he's already given us. I don't know how many times I have been approached by people who say, I'm looking for God's will in my life. I want God to speak to me. I want God to open or shut a door. I want God to point me in the right direction. I want God to push me in a direction so that beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know what God has called me to do. And yet, in our discussion, in our time together, in our conversation, uh, the topic of, you know, uh, you know, uh, how do you hear from God now? What have you heard from God? Uh, well, the, the Bible says this or the Bible says that. What have you done with those things, those commandments or those ideas? In other words, why would you expect more from God in this direct revelation of sorts when you're not willing to use the information that God has already given us? We have God's word. We have the truths of God's word. And are we using those in our lives? God expects you to know what he has given you. He has given you his word. 
How do we expect to somehow be given the unknown, the things that aren't talked about, unless you're obeying God's known will for you in your life? We all need to have a deeper desire to go after what God has already given us. I'm not going to tell you that your life is going to be perfect if you read your Bible for 10 minutes a day. For some of you, 10 minutes a day is going to be a stretch. It might be more like three minutes, three times a week. But if that's what it is for you, go after it. And whatever God tells you in those three minutes, whatever God reveals to you, move forward in that. But for some of you, some of you who might have time or the energy or the desire, it could be a half hour a day. It could be an hour a day. You know, you might have to give up some, some Netflix, you know, or some Disney Plus. I'm preaching to myself here, okay? You might have to give that up, but God has given us so much in his word. So if you ever feel that you don't know what God's plan is for your life, yeah, there are some great books out there that are going to take nuggets from God's word and they're going to write about it and expound on it and you can read it. That's okay. That's good. And I want you to be talking with your spouse, with your friends, uh, with your mentors. But man, spend some one-on-one time with God and I'm telling you, he will reveal it to you. He wants to. He loves to. God has given you his word. Dive into it. Dig into it. So that when you're ready to ask the question, God, I want you to to show me where you want me to go. You've exhausted the resource. And I think God will answer those prayers. Verse 25 shows us uh, that as far as understanding God's kingdom, our proper response will give us even more understanding. And that's exciting. For the one who has more will be given. And each one of you, if you have a copy of God's word, you have, right? Now, what you do with it, that's between you and God, right? I don't care if it's on your phone, if it's a a copy as you're walking out the door today off of our grab a Bible table, we all have an opportunity to have God's word and he wants to give us more. It's funny because we, we often, uh, especially in America, I would say, but we often think about giving to those who are in need, that don't have, right? We want to give cash to the poor. We want to help those who do not have. And those are good things. But here we see we, we serve a God who is generous, who has given us everything that we need to know, right? For life, to understand what we've been called to do. And yet he says here, I want to give you more on top of that. That, To me, that's exciting. More will be given. He gives more understanding to those who are faithful with what they have, faithful with what they have heard. And yet here again we see, it says that he, he hardens the hearts of those who harden their own. Look at the end of that verse. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That is a word of caution from Mark. What are you going to do with what you were given? I constantly remind my, my kids who, who too much has been given, much will be required when I have conversations with them. 
When, I, when we talk about the, the, the blessing that it's been to be uh, in a church like Emmanuel Bible Fellowship before we launched the Grace Works and, and then to be in the Grace Works and where we have teachers who care about our kids and they've grown up under many of you who are sitting out there and, and those who maybe have moved on but have invested well in my children. And I say, a lot has been given to you, but now a lot will be required. And this, this whole section continues on in the call to the believer in regards to discipleship. Will you out there today, sitting in these chairs, pay attention to what you hear? Again, I love how John Mark calls us to hear, to listen, to apply. God's kingdom will come, but also God's kingdom will produce. And that's the next section we grow into uh, is if a man should scatter the seeds on the ground. Jesus again talking in parable, right? This is the only parable that's unique to Mark's gospel alone. Jesus depicts himself as a farmer who sows a seed, which is the word of God, right? We know that from Mark 4.14. Then he carries out his daily routine and he waits for the harvest. Okay, he's, he's doing what he needs to do. He's even sleeping at night and getting up the next morning, right? He's waiting for that harvest. Some question whether this parable can be referring to Jesus because of the statement, he himself does not know. And of course, Jesus is God and he knows everything. Yet it's critical that we recognize that, that parables were not intended to walk on all fours, right? In other words, every detail does not necessarily apply across the board like an allegory. Some details are, are, are simply given for realism. Jesus says in verse 28, the earth produces by itself, right? The Greek there, the word translated by itself is, is automate. The, our English word automatically comes from that word, right? So automate or automatically, it produces. Jesus is saying that the seed does its work. The farmer may work hard, but it's not his job to make the sun shine, right? Or, or, or get the, the skies to produce rain. He is the one who puts life, uh, he is not the one, I should say, who puts life into the seed. He puts the seed into the ground, and then he waits. Things will happen to that seed in and of themselves that he has no control over. It's the farmer's responsibility, if you look at the story, to wait patiently until the growing and, and, and maturation is, is complete in that wheat. Growth and fruitfulness right? The, the fruitfulness of that plant does not depend on the farmer, but on the life within the seed itself. This truth goes back into the Old Testament. Again, we've talked about it before. Genesis 1, 1, all the way to the end of the book of the Revelation, we see this story unfold. And in Isaiah fifty-five eleven, it says, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The good news, Jesus Christ, the word. 
Now, there are applications that can relate to you and I, to us, unbelievers. It's not the responsibility of men and women to get the kingdom of God to grow. The kingdom of God will grow in its own time and in its own way. Right? As an unbeliever, we receive, we get it, and then we move forward towards fruitfulness. We have to be faithful. Right? If you place your faith in Jesus Christ and, and you're a young Christian or a baby Christian, right? The, the, the sowing, the, 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 the seed is in the ground, but now God will come along and he will help that seed grow. God has his own schedule for your particular growth. Now, he has called you to be faithful in that. There are things that you need to do, but God will bring you along. He is faithful. And when we, excuse me, when we see the, the, the seed or the word uh, it, that it's been faithfully sown, it often needs time to grow. It's not necessarily overnight. So when we share the gospel, when we share the good news, we can't expect for a, a full crop of Christian graces immediately. The responses aren't always immediate. Now, a lot of times we will see conversions. We'll see people place their faith in Jesus Christ because of the words that were said and Holy Spirit bringing that person along. Conversions can appear instantaneous, but there's been a lot of things that have been done to prepare that soil. So sometimes you've been called to prepare soil in someone's life. But then once that conversion happens, and it is instantaneous on the conversion part, discipleship is not. It is growth. It takes a while. The plant needs to grow. And we get to be a part of that a lot of times. The reason for fruitfulness in, in the ministry is, is not the eloquence or the intelligence of the messenger. And I thank God for that. But it's in the power contained in the message. Do you and I believe that? Are we willing to share the message because we believe it has the power to change lives? Only the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We see that in Hebrews 4 verse 12. We must never forget that our success in ministry, and when I say ministry, I'm not just talking about pastors and youth pastors and those who are in kids ministry or whatever it might be. Each one of us has been called to ministry, right? It comes from the power of God's word. That is what has the power to change lives. No matter if you're sitting up here speaking uh, to a few hundred people on a Sunday morning or talking to your neighbor one-on-one, -on -one, the words you use, Holy Spirit speaking through you, that is the power to change lives. And there's a lot of freedom in that. If you are faithful, God will provide the fruit. You don't have to convince anyone that what you're saying is the truth. You just need to speak it, and Holy Spirit will do the rest. God's word has the power to change lives, not our own wisdom or eloquence of speech. 
This is clearly stated in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. If you're taking notes, maybe jot that down. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. We see that Paul planted, Apollos watered, others cultivated, but God gave the increase. Right? God gave the increase. The greatest missionary of all time, Paul, acknowledges it's not because he was something great. But God chose to use him. We are fellow workers with God, but we are totally dependent upon him for any results. I will come here and I will speak the truth and I will prep all week long and I will pray for you and then I will, I will give you the word and then I will pray for you this next week. But I know no matter how well I preach or how hard I pray, that the growth that can come in your life is between you and God. And that God is faithful. Holy Spirit is faithful. So no matter what season you're in right now, no matter how dry it might be, no, no matter how much pain you might be in, the Holy Spirit can bring you along. He'll bring you through that. And then he'll bring you to a beautiful new place of growth. And that is a promise that we can lean fully on. Do you and I have the patience of the farmer, or do we need instant results? Are we willing to persevere and, and, and wait on God's word to do its work? We must remember who's in charge of the harvest, that God is. And so we must trust in him for the results. Now we see God's kingdom will multiply. We're moving into uh, a little, uh, another section here where Mark says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use it for? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. On, on your chair, I put a mustard seed for each one of you. Uh, and so I hope you saw that before you sat down. I really did, and I'm joking. It's a small seed, so I thought I could pull that off. But the idea is that there's this small, small seed, right? This mustard seed. And I know there might be some of you that are out there that, that are botanists that know that, that the mustard seed isn't the smallest seed, that there's actually a smaller seed the orchid seed is so that this could be a little bit awkward the bible appears to be maybe that, that jesus is wrong i would argue no jesus is is using a hyperbole right he's speaking to what the hearer would know and he's saying in this area you guys know the mustard seed and it's the smallest seeds that we that we plant it's the smallest seed that there is and out of that seed grows an, a, an enormous tree with branches that the birds can build their nests in. So Jesus isn't wrong. He's using a, a story here to show something. Uh, and again, if he had said an orchid seed and it grows this little orchid and, and, and maybe an ant can crawl up in there. No, no, he's just, he's telling this story. The idea is that from a very small seed, something very large can come. It grows up, and it be, becomes the largest of all the plants in the garden, right? And it puts out its branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Jesus is using the story to encourage us that a small seed, something small that's planted, can change the world. We sow this small seed but then it explodes in growth. It produces something completely out of proportion to itself. And this is the, uh, the, the truth with the kingdom of God as well. 
I look at someone like a Billy Graham who was blessed by God, and he, I enjoyed hearing him speak, and I'll, I'll even still pull up some of his old uh, crusade uh, speech, speeches or, or, or sermons and watch him even to this day. I enjoyed listening to him. So I'm not going to say that he didn't have any skill at all, but he was still one man planting one seed at a time. And look at the kingdom growth that happened because of his faithfulness. Now, not all of us have been called to be Billy Graham, but maybe one of us has. Or can you at least plant those seeds in your family? Plant those seeds in your friendships, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. We never want to despise any ministry for being too small because we don't know what God is going to do with it. We don't know who's sitting in that Sunday school class right now hearing the word of God and being affected by it so that when they grow, they may go out and change the world. Our ministry may appear to be exceedingly small, but God can expand it as greatly as he desires. It is for us to be concerned with the quality. It is God, uh, it is for God to take care of the quantity. You and I can control what we speak, the truths, the word, and God will take care of the rest. Kingdom of God has small beginnings. We've seen that. We celebrated that this week. A baby in a manger. A baby in a manger. It doesn't get much smaller than that. I mean, I I can't speak for all of you because I don't know all your stories perfectly, but I'm guessing most of us weren't born into a dirty manger or a, a barn with the barn animals. Right? We didn't spend the first couple nights in a dirty trough. Right? And yet God sent his son in a humble way. The kingdom coming to this earth. Born into a manger. The Roman Empire was big. The, 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 the Israelites, the country of Israel was small. And yet God chose to send his son to his people. God's kingdom, small beginnings. So Mark ends this section with explaining the importance of Jesus' teaching in the parables. There are around 40 parables found in the, in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And when Jesus taught in parables, he did so so that the listeners would would understand the nature of the kingdom and the the central role he and the word would play in it. He had a desired outcome for the stories that he taught. Jesus knew what he was doing. So again, here at the end, we see the importance of hearing being noted. And we've seen that a few times. John Marcus said, hey, if you got ears, you need to hear. You need to listen. Last week we saw that. Today we're seeing that. So again, the phrase here is, they were able to hear it. Essentially means that Jesus knew that some people would struggle with understanding fully. 
parables would enlighten or, or obscure, depending on that person's ability to hear and respond. And we talked about that last week. However, we see in verse 34 that that the the people truly committed to him, his followers, his disciples, he explained everything. Only in close communion to Jesus can one understand the language about God. So again, back to what we talked about towards the beginning uh, when we were talking about maybe some New Year's resolutions, right? The closer you grow to God, the more you will understand God's word. Sometimes I joke, I was, you know, I was born in, in, into a Christian family. I, I don't remember not being a Christian. I don't remember not believing. I remember going to Sunday school. I remember going to church and then Sunday night church and then Wednesday church, right? I mean, we, it was church, church, church. And those, those stories I heard over and over and over again. And yet as I grew and I grew in my faith, those stories became sweeter and sweeter. There was more richness. I heard things for the first time. I heard new things. And that would be my challenge to you. We need to be striving to drive close to Jesus because the closer that we get to him, the more we get out, the more we get from the Holy Spirit, from the Father. And when we back away from Jesus, when we don't spend time with him in his word, we begin to lose that. Again, not the salvation, but the connection. God desires for you to grow in your relationship with him. Healthy things grow. And my desire for you is to be healthy. I want you to grow. I want you to grow like the kingdom Right? God's kingdom will come. And when it does, we have a responsibility to respond to it. And to him who responds, more will be given. And to him who has much given to him, much will be required. And a lot of you have responded to the kingdom. God's kingdom is going to continue on producing. However, we must remember it produces in its own time. Both God's perfect timing and and the receptivity to the message seem to dictate the rate of growth. And we often can feel like we're responsible, right? Like somehow we've failed if we've shared something, the good news with a a non-saved person or a way to grow with someone who's already placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And if it doesn't happen, we want to take that responsibility on ourselves. And I think Jesus is showing here, hey, we... We'll take care of the growth. You be faithful to what we have called you to do, which is to plant the seeds. Be faithful to give it and then leave the rest to God. And, and God's kingdom will also multiply. We need to trust that this powerful message will continue to grow on and on and on and on. Consider how small it started. Literally, Jesus Christ coming to this earth in a manger. And yet consider how this story, the greatest story ever told, has touched every corner of the earth. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of God is all about growth. If you want to grow in the kingdom, you must stay close to the king. 
you and I can truly understand the kingdom through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Be about growth personally in this upcoming year. Be about growth in others. How can you help others grow in their faith? And know that growth comes through our faithfulness, but because of Jesus Christ and his promise.